Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, I am talking with Casey from Fruit of the Fungi. That's right. It's the mushroom company here on the Eat Local New York podcast this week, and uh, I'm really thrilled to sit down with Casey again and talk with him about the journey that him and his wife, Christy, have been on as they've been building their business and growing their business. And it's really interesting to talk through kind of their journey of how he got started kind of in life, but also into the mushroom company and how they decided to start this business and have built it. But the things that I'm, I'm, I really just had a really great time talking with him and kind of getting advice from him, from him and hearing some of the stories of their journey and some of his views on growing the business and balancing that with the family. You know, him and Christy growing their fruit of the fungi mushroom business while also being parents and raising their family and what's, you know, what the last 20 years have been and what's next and how that looks. And it's just, it was a really great time and, and another inspiring conversation um, to sit down and talk with him. So I'm really grateful for that. And I hope you enjoy it. Having Casey on is really a, a big part of, the, the mission that I want to start moving into with Eat Local New York. It's funny, when I first started Eat Local CNY so many years ago, I was looking for trying to find companies or organizations that did something similar to this. And one of the ones that I really focused in on and, and researched or looked at their, their business a little bit more thoroughly than others was a company, oh man, uh, they're called, the name of the organization is Low Country Local First and they're down in South Carolina. And they started out really similar to Eat Local New York. They didn't put too much focus on, because I don't think like influencer marketing or if, if foodie influencers really that big of a thing then. Um, but they have started by just promoting locally owned restaurants and supporting local farmers and getting local foods. And then they really shifted more into advocacy for local business and local food uh, in their state and in their area. And I think that's just, I think that's really interesting. I don't know if that's a, an area that Eat Local New York is necessarily ever going to go into, but over the past six months, let's say, I've really had this overwhelming desire to bring more attention back to the exceptional food that we have here in central New York. I mean, not, let's just talk for a second and exclude people like Jamie from last week uh, and Tree out at Wiley Fox Farm. And let's exclude Casey and Christy from the uh, Fruit of the Fungi and any other farmers. Okay. Just talking about local restaurants, the conversation, there was a part of the conversation, a big part of the conversation years ago I'm going to blame COVID with this. So let's say prior to COVID, there's a big part of the conversation prior to COVID that was about local chefs doing exceptional things with food and innovating and new restaurants that were opening that were doing great things with food. And now today, the majority of the conversation, at least I feel like the majority of the conversation is about 50 cent wings. You know, it's about... Um, the deals that people can get on food, which is important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, uh, this is a business that doesn't really make a whole hell of a lot of money. And we have a, a son now, and so we, we live on a budget. Um, but so, you know, pricing is important, but it's it shouldn't be the majority of the conversation. And, and so anyways, and I, it's not even that it's 
necessarily the majority. It's to me, it's like all of the conversation. And I'm trying to find ways that Eat Local New York can help facilitate the conversation to return at least a good portion of it to the um, exceptional food and chefs and restaurants that exist here in central New York and talking about the farmers and the producers of, uh, of that food. So yeah. So having Casey on the, on the podcast is, is really a part of that for me. It's a part of wanting to talk and focus on those people that have dedicated their lives to their business, uh, to produce wonderful things that the rest of us get to eat and things that aren't mass produced and things that aren't uh, shitty and things that in some cases like Casey talks about with mushrooms he you know he's producing things that you know could you know potentially save someone's life right so uh, it's just a really interesting interesting conversation so I hope you enjoy it um, we're gonna be doing some of these things I don't really know exactly what I mean I've talked about it before we are releasing it you know uh, in July our list of 76 the 76 best restaurants in central New York, according to Eat Local New York. And again, I, I just hope that that is a, I hope that that is just a small step in the direction of people thinking about um, what are really great restaurants. Um, there's not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a restaurant who buys strictly frozen fruit food from Cisco and, and, you know, reheats it essentially and sells it. Uh, they, all restaurants, I think, serve their purpose to some extent. I go to Nick's Tomato Pie a lot, and I go to, down here in Armory Square. Usually when I'm, like, in a hurry and I'm starving, like I did right before I recorded this intro, and I go there for a couple reasons. I know Raquel. She has an Instagram account. Uh, her family owns Nick's Tomato Pie, and she's one of the people that runs that lo- that restaurant for them. So I go in there because I know Raquel and I know that it's fast and I know that it's going to be a hot, inexpensive meal, right, that I can grab for lunch real quick. Um, I don't go there because it's the best pizza that ever existed in Syracuse. It's really good pizza. It's good pizza. Um, is it the best? No, I don't think they're trying to be, though. It, you know, it's kind of the point. So what's my point? All restaurants serve their purpose. Um you know, there are plenty of restaurants out here that just really heat, reheat, and serve, and they serve their purpose. And I don't think that those restaurants are, are out there trying to claim that they're, they're you know, handcrafting the most interesting food in the world. They're just trying to serve people and give them, and have them, you know, give them a good time. It kind of reminds me, I mean, I don't, I don't think that all restaurants are this, but they are to a certain extent, but, and they do it in different ways. But like Mark Bullis, if you remember from the podcast with him, he was talking about how he learned that really restaurants, they shifted from being solely focused on just serving people a meal to being entertainment for the customer. And so, yeah, anyways, um, again, I, why did I just say all that? I'm not trying to just shit on the restaurants that aren't um, – making everything from scratch and putting out the most interesting food. I'm just saying that I want to focus. I want a part of our conversation here at E local New York to be focused on the people who are. So that's it. Um, if you are listening to this, make sure you check out fruit of the fungi, New York mushroom company on Instagram. You can find them every Saturday down the regional market. 
great local business. I love going there and buying mushrooms. And usually, like, the special hot will last year, at least for Thanksgiving and Christmas, they brought in some truffles. And, yeah, so definitely check them out. Um, I want to talk about our sponsor, Brown Carbonic. I've been talking about them for the last six weeks now because they've been they came on as a paid sponsor, and uh, if you're an avid listener to the podcast and you're a restaurant owner or manager and you work and you you use a product that Brown Carbonic offers, in my opinion, just the fact that they came on as a paid sponsor means that you should at least reach out to them and try to work with them because it shows you their dedication and focus to supporting local business here in Syracuse and in central New York by them coming on and and sponsoring the podcast. So that's my opinion. Um, But if you don't want to take my opinion, then uh, I would just say uh, support local companies. Listen, if you're you're a restaurant owner, manager, bar manager, whatever the case is, and you're using, you know, you have draft sodas in your restaurant, Brown Carbonic has you covered. As a matter of fact, it's their own recipes that they have made, which is even cooler. Um, so definitely reach out to them for that. But beyond that, if you are if you have a draft beer system and you're using nitrogen and CO2, Brown Carbonic is your company. So I'm going to leave all the descriptions and links and phone numbers and all that kind of stuff here in the show notes um, for you to find them and you know easily contact them and uh, you know just reach out and see if you can connect with them. Uh, but if you're looking for their phone number, it's 315-454-3591. And reach out. Let them know you heard about them here on the Local New York podcast and support a great local family-owned company that's been here for decades in Syracuse. Uh, that's it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Casey from Fruit of the Fungi. just got this book in today. I was telling Jamie about it. I yeah. just bought that for, you know, now that we've got our, our sons. In an infer- in an yeah. World. Steve Rinella, who's got the meat eater um, yeah. uh, show on Netflix, which is all like, yep. you know, I love that show. Uh, even yep. though I'm not a hunter. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, where we live. It's, I know my kids are still indoor kids, but yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of space and that's, that's, you know, one of the things that I think my kids are going to, look back on and and be thankful for is that they you know they had the opportunity to get outside right Mm -hmm. when they were little we used to take walks out and we've got we've got this big acre and a third of spruce trees they used to call the big woods right someone planted them in the 70s they're like these you know 100 foot tall spruce trees and it's all empty underneath it it's real eerie actually (laughs) but that's the kind of stuff that i don't think they appreciate much Hmm. at this stage of their lives, but hopefully. I mean, I grew up, uh, we always spent summers in Skinny Atlas, just we were like really lucky. My grandparents had a lot of money, and um, grandpa had back in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, if there was a jukebox, pinball machine, cigarette machine in central New York, pretty much, definitely in Syracuse, you got it from him. <laughs> and um, and so they were never really like flashy with their money, but they had the small, you know, camp on Skinny Atlas, and so... We used to, growing up as a kid, we vacationed there. There was no Disney or theme park or anything, or yeah, Florida yeah. or California or anything like that. It was always, yeah. we're going to Skinny Atlas for a week. Um, 
And that's still what I long for is like being able to just one day have a place on water. And yeah. And yeah. you know, so but I didn't grow up with an iPhone in my hand. Right. And so I hope yeah. like our son, I was I've been saying, um I was saying before he was born, I was like, our kids, they're not gonna have a computer in their room, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And uh we yeah, we kept the computers out of their rooms. We for a while, right? It's like you leave your phones downstairs, they get to a certain age, and yeah. what are you gonna do? Just like pester them constantly, right. right? I mean, how much, how uh, so we did, they don't have computers in their rooms, but yeah. Yeah, 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 we were able to do that. But our son at five months old, if we're sitting, we'll be sitting there like with him on our lap, playing with him, and if the TV's on, he will swivel his head to find the television. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If I have my phone, like if I, have yeah. to, if I'm holding him, I have to like it's respond addictive. to a text, yeah, he'll start grabbing for the phone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing, but he has opened the phone and like pulled up YouTube. Right. Well, I'm just okay. sitting there holding it, you know. <laughs> on purpose? Uh, like, I mean, obviously not on purpose. He's five months old, but right. I mean, he'd like, his, it might, you know. You know <laughs> yeah. even, they're smarter than you think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they're more attentive to things that you don't think they're paying attention to. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I found but, out that this book existed and I jumped on it and yeah. bought it immediately. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think it's. I think it's a harder and harder thing to do to get them outside and keep them engaged with stuff outside. But I think whatever you can do, you know, I think that's going to pay dividends. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up here in Chittenango, okay. very urban. I didn't grow up farming. I didn't grow up, you know, I, I don't know where I got it from. I'm, but, mm. you know, I love just walking outside. You know, I can occupy mm. myself just kind of looking at trees and yeah. looking at birds and, and you know huh. uh, that's that's very relaxing and meditative for me and but you know I spent a lot of time outside but you know it was a housing development it wasn't like right. we're walking in the woods all the time but you know we had we'd, we'd make forts out of hmm. open areas and so I you know I guess hmm. it doesn't have to be a national park right it's right. just being outside just seeing the nature and seeing how things are blooming in the spring or growing in the spring or, and, you know, and then declining in the fall and the yeah. cycle of life. And, hmm. um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what got me into farming is hmm. just enjoying that stuff. I don't know, but, what? but I always kind of wanted a, you know, a, a refuge kind of away from everything, everything hmm. you know, when did you start the company? When did you start growing mushrooms? We we started growing mushrooms in 2008. Okay. Uh, we did it part-time for about seven years, and we've been doing it full-time for about eight years. Yeah. And uh, did a lot of other things. Um, but, yeah, it was 2000. We moved up here. So I grew up in Chittenango. Mm -hmm. um, went to school down in SUNY Binghamton. Mm -hmm. um, and then... One summer, I did an internship here at the zoo in Syracuse, mm. and that was got a degree in biology. And I was, mm. you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with that. Mm. But I didn't. It's kind of interesting. I didn't really have much direction other than I knew I was interested in this. And then, you know, you get to the end, and you're like, "What am I going to do?" And I did some internships, and mm. so really, all I knew was working in zoos. Mm. <laughs> So I applied to a bunch of zoos, ended up in uh, Salt Lake City, 
hmm. uh, working in an aviary out mm. there, working with birds. Um, did that for a few years, got married while I was out there. Hmm. Uh, my wife's from New York, but we got married while we were out there. Hmm. And then uh, I had our first kid out there, too. Okay. And then ended up moving to Connecticut and working at the Bronx Zoo for about a year. Wow. I was like, you know, got a kid, need health insurance, <laughs> right? Need something. Like, I'm working at this little tiny zoo. They're paying you hmm. basically nothing to work there. Hmm. It's a great experience. For a while, I was doing, I was like the curator, like the managing hmm. the whole collection just because there wasn't one there, wow. right? So it's great experience. And and that's what I was doing it for. And now I'm looking to, you know, maybe move up in the zoo world. And so mm. this was a good opportunity. And um but and and maybe this is why I went so extreme and moved out to <laughs> Lebanon, a real rural area, right? But I'm working in the Bronx and taking the train down to <laughs> the Bronx and Fordham Station and um and then it's so expensive every evening. I was working another job. Hmm. And and so after a year of that, I decided I was done with the zoos and I ended up working at Trader Joe's for three years in Connecticut. Okay. And then we and then we had our second kid and we were just done with downstate. Yeah. And and um yeah, ended up buying our place up here, moving up here. Hmm. Didn't really have any didn't have any job whatsoever. Hmm. Um and I had worked in a farm one summer in school, and they had some logs. Some uh, they had mushroom logs. They had bought some from somebody, and and so we had sold them at a farmer's market. And I was like, well, kind of know what I'm doing. So I went ahead and inoculated a bunch of logs, and that's where our first hmm. go around into mushrooms came from. It's amazing the people that I've heard the, the stories of. It's like extreme switches. You know, yeah. like extreme swaps, and then now they're, like, doing, they've, like, found what they love, you know? Like, to go from the Bronx to Lebanon, New York, <laughs> you know? Is yeah, such it's a... essentially what we were doing, yeah. And, at, you know, and that's why, you know, I think, you know, I think people often operate that way. And, I, you know, I see my my kids, my daughter is going to go to school downstate mm -hmm. and my son's at school down in Florida, okay. right? So they're just like gone, Yeah, right? They're ready to go. <laughs> they're ready to go. Yeah. And they w went to a small school there in Hamilton mm -hmm. and uh, they're ready to go. Hmm. And, you know, that's fine. You know, let them, let them go out and and maybe that's where they want to be. But I, sometimes, you know, I think that it, it takes some time to experience this world and all the joys of it sure. right yeah. <laughs> and then and then uh settle into where you want to be yeah i mean you kind of everybody's got to experience that sort of stuff you know mm -hmm. i mean hopefully uh i don't know what age i don't know if what age you should experience all that kind of stuff but uh yeah that's a know. good that's a good we yeah and that's a good point and that's an attitude i always took was you know, I, I, they're going to experience this stuff. Mm -hmm. Let's, they went to, they're going to a small private school down in Hamilton's really small school, like a hundred kids total. Okay. And uh, so definitely sheltered to some degree. Right. Yeah. But let's have them experience that stuff when they have a little bit more 
right. maturity, a little bit more, yeah, you know, uh, foundation, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the attitude I've always taken. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. So. When I was 18, I graduated high school and I moved to Lebanon, Ohio. Just a little bit, yeah, just a little smaller than Lebanon, New York. Yeah. Uh, not much though, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Lebanon, Ohio, and interned at a church. Uh, okay, <laughs> still found a way to get into trouble, but that's what I was doing yeah. when I was eighteen. So away from your family, just <laughs> well, uh, kind of, sort of. So yeah. I was um, Lebanon, Ohio, was about an hour and a half hour north of where I grew up when I when I was younger in northern Kentucky. Okay, and yeah. so. Um, I went out there to intern at a church that my sister was the youth pastor at, and my aunt and uncle were like assistant pastors at. Yeah. Um, so I was out there with family still, but um, uh, and my sister and I have rented an apartment together. But mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that was uh, when I when I was in high school. That's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to go off to Bible college and become a mm -hmm. pastor, and that was you know going to be my life uh, mm -hmm. sort of a thing. And, um, and so that's what I put a lot of, you know, focus into there for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. and we were connected in that stuff for a while. But yeah, it's just an adventure to Ohio, right? Yeah. It's, adventure yeah. to Ohio. Yeah. yeah. There is, I will say there's, there is, there's, there's fewer, uh, there, there aren't as many feelings like great feelings that I've experienced in my life as packing up a car and moving somewhere. You know, yeah. like, especially when you're driving multiple states. <laughs> we we packed up from Utah. We had our our moving van. I can't remember how we got our car there, but we had our van and we had our, you know, parakeet in the front seat hmm. and we had no place to live. Hmm. Right. And this is just I guess my personality mm -hmm. and my wife was just kind of along for the ride. I was like, oh, it'll work out. We'll figure it out. Right? Yeah. And so we drive to New York City and we kind of mm -hmm. had a friend. We, we had one friend in Connecticut okay. who let us spend the night, right? Mm -hmm. But we drive in and it's a Friday afternoon and everybody's going north <laughs> and the roads are just jam-packed right <laughs> and and we've got this van and we got the car and we've got no place to live and we've got my son is july august september he's like four months old wow and oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's an experience that was that was a stressful time i bet but but um, i hear you about Packing up, we've done a couple cross, at least two cross country trips that okay. we, we kind of wove some mushroom training into. But yeah, um, uh, we took some weekend seminars out on the West Coast. But okay. yeah, packing up that car and going is exciting. Yeah, really. And, and is. we've always done it like, you know, when we're tired, we'll stop and we'll find a hotel. Yeah. When we find something that we want to do, we'll go and do it, right? If you have a few plans, but for the most part, it's like, you know, it's like real freedom for a week oh, right? yeah. or two weeks or whatever. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine doing it with, you know, I mean, I'm older, so I could, but I couldn't imagine doing it with, you know, a family. But when I was 36, so this is nine, it was like 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago. I was, at the time, I was up in Northern California in Reading. I drove the car, drove my car from Reading down to San Diego, which is like, 12, 13 hour drive. Um, I left Reading at 11 at night. So I like slept at a travel stop in the car, mm -hmm. 
drove down to San Diego the next morning, picked up very long story that I won't go into on the podcast, <laughs> but picked up uh, a family that I was like that knew and I was like kind of working for mm. or vacationing in San Diego at the time. Drove from San Diego back to Texas, where both of us lived in Central Texas, and then which is you know a day and a half, two day trip, and um, uh, spent a week there. And I had been living there for three years, and I was I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to get back home to Syracuse. So within that week, lined up a job back here and fit whatever would fit in my car at the time, and left i think at the same time it like left at like 11 o'clock at night and uh drove all the way back slept in my car the whole way back from texas to syracuse i didn't stopping mm-hmm. at a hotel or anything i just kept driving but there i will say there's 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 few feelings there's few great feelings of a just doing that and kind of knowing that you're leaving somewhere and going somewhere else yeah but there's also something about driving through the southwest when it's hot got the windows down. Back mm-hmm. then I smoked cigarettes mm-hmm. and uh uh having a cold diet coke, listening to music, <laughs> smoking my Marlboro light. There's yeah. there's few things that I have found that I that I uh appreciated more than those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very Wild West esque is yeah. what it sounds like to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some good adventures in Arizona when we lived in Utah and Yeah. 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 It's a fun area. And I think we might, you know, maybe someday we'll end up in Utah. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the adventures with the kids are much, much, yeah, it's a little tougher. But yeah. For sure. Still, <laughs> yeah. but still, yeah. it's still good. I mean, we went when they were, you know, uh, both under 10 once. And then we went okay. when they were, were more like 13, 14, somewhere in that area. And okay. Yeah, they do okay. Yeah. Our, our kids did okay. I, I can't speak for all kids. But yeah. yeah. You've got the two? Yeah, so okay. two kids. We've got one Yeah, one that's uh, turning 21 this year and one wow. that just turned 18. We're kind of at that stage of our lives where getting our, our the younger one through high school, mm-hmm. which is finishing up this year. Um, and... Yeah, it's kind of transitioning a little bit. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't really know, uh, you know, bringing it back to mushrooms a bit. I mean, we, mm. this business has worked really well for us yeah. for the past eight years. You know, it's given us a lot of flexibility mm. um, to do the things that we want to do, like, you know, coaching sports or me, giving me the ability to be home every evening, mm. right? And mm. And so... The question is, how do we make it work for us in this new? I mean, we're going to have new goals, right? Different, yeah. different lifestyle, different, hmm. you know, just different. And, and so, how do we make it work for us in that? I mean, at first, we need to figure out what we want, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then make it work for us. But yeah, um, that's kind of where we are right now, where the mushroom business is. Yeah. You, you like have plans? You think to? Like I think of like Barry, you know, from Two Kids Goat Farm. You know, they're planning. They're they're going down I to Puerto heard, Rico. Yeah, I heard know? that. I heard. <laughs> I heard that podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that we're pretty attached to this space, and mm-hmm. and my parents are still here. Okay. Um, so I don't think that we're necessarily moving yeah. anywhere. I I mean, I could see maybe 
you know, you know, maybe down the road a little bit farther, maybe doing something out west or something. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, no immediate plans. I mean, short term, we're probably putting up, you'll probably do some home renovations that we haven't been putting off for, mm -hmm. you know, 15 years. Um, but besides that, uh, you know, we're, we're still parenting, but hmm. trying to figure out what the next 20 years of our lives are going to look like. Right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of exciting in a lot of ways. It's, it's you know, kind of similar to early twenties, right? What's yeah. your life going to look like? Hmm. Right. I mean, I don't, I mean, you're, it, it's different cause you're, you know, you're still parenting, but still exciting in a lot of ways. I mean, really, up until like my son was born, I, I still was thinking about like literally tomorrow. I wasn't thinking five years down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, but except for one, my wife and I had a conversation two Christmases ago before we got pregnant and we were leaving her, my in-laws in Boonville and driving back to Syracuse. And um, I think it was Christmas Eve, but uh, um, or one of the trips. Anyways, uh, she's going to listen to this and tell me my dates and times are completely <laughs> off. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but we were we were driving back from Boonville, and I was just thinking to myself, like, hey, we we need to start having kids. And, mm. you know, up until that conversation, the thought was when we get into, like, get into a bigger house or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, uh, get to the next stage in life, we'll mm -hmm. start to think about having kids. But I, I just sat there, and I was, I was, like, doing the math, and I was like, but our parents are older, you know, they're, my dad just turned 70, mm. you know, we're, I'm 35. Mm -hmm. Like, how old are we going to be? If we keep putting this off, how old are we going to be when our kids are graduating high school? You know, yeah, yeah. like, what about yeah. their kids? What about us becoming grandparents? Like we really need to start to move. And, and then now since he's been born, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how much, how far ahead you start to think and try to plan for. You yeah. Know? Start yeah. to plan for ten years and twenty years down the road, and what's that going to look like when they're out of college and all that kind of stuff? So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We never, never really had much. We had a couple of years in Utah, which maybe that's why we always think we'll go back there, which mm. were you know kind of fun and carefree, and mm. then we had kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't know that it was. You know, I, would I do it the same way again? I don't know. Probably, probably, yeah. but, hmm. um, but definitely cut short our, you know, carefree twenties. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> my bro my older brother, uh, who he has three kids and that are all under the age of four and, uh, and Robert is 41. Um, when he, Robert has always been like a, what if, you know, like kind of like, what am I missing out on sort of a person? And, um, and, really more so when he started to have kids <laughs> and mm -hmm. um and so and i've noticed that i was i've been having those thoughts like uh you know thinking about like oh man um what if i had made this turn in life what if i had mm -hmm. made that what if i had stayed mm -hmm. in texas what if i had done this and i've been thinking about that thinking that way for a while like let's say the last you know two three years um or ever since i got married and uh <laughs> um uh, that was a joke honey uh, if you're listening um but I, I did have the thought recently. Everybody's like, had that thought. <laughs> <I> know, yeah. <laughs> um, but I did have the, the, the follow-up thought to all of that recently when I was like driving somewhere thinking about, man, what if I still lived in Texas? Was, would life really be that much better? Like, what, like, 
you know, would I have become a millionaire if I lived there? And the answer is no. Yeah, you'd be having the same thoughts in Texas, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yep. And and you know, I I think um, I think yeah, I it, there's a lot of stuff that we missed out. I, I mean, you can say we missed out on you mm-hmm. know having kids early, but having the kids and being up here with my parents is, you know, it's kind of the deeper stuff. Yeah, for right? sure. It's the stuff that when, when you're sitting in your chair and you can't really do much anymore, that's, <laughs> that's the stuff that you're thankful for. Right. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, hmm. I have very little regrets Yeah, as far as, you know, where we're living or when we had kids or having kids or Hmm. um, that's something that, you know, I'm, that's something that I think we've done the the best we could. Mm -hmm. Right. Certainly not perfect. Certainly, certainly fell short on certain aspects of, of family and raising kids, but, um, there's not much that I look back on and say that that I regret or or that I could have done better or yeah. Um, so you know I'm I'm thankful for that and and mm. there are certainly a lot of we could have lot had a lot more fun right making other choices right right but uh, mm. so yeah that's kind of. Where I am, you know, reflecting. You, you, at this point, you reflect a lot. Like, you know, it's only really. My son might be home for the summer. I don't really know, but you know, we're gonna have a couple months in the summer, probably where all four of us are there, and then they're gonna go their separate ways, and hmm. and there'll be opportunities to be together again. But it's never gonna be like it was before, yeah. right? It's gonna be totally different, hmm. um, and. So you just naturally kind of reflect on the past twenty years, and hmm. um, what's that like? So. Uh, what's that like going from? Yeah, I mean, like we, you know, give me some advice as a as a new father over here. <laughs> like, what what are what is that like going from having a small child to then raising well, kids as they're getting older? Yeah, so this is. You know, having your, for me, you know, I mentioned flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. So this gives, this job that I have gives me flexibility. And so um, I talk to other farmers and they're just constantly going, right? And they're like, Mm -hmm. well, how do you create time for family? Um, And for me, it's always been putting that decision first, like, Mm. uh, so for example, on Wednesday, I haven't, I haven't, we're, so we're, we're doing softball right now, coaching Mm. softball every single day. Mm. Um, it's a, this is, this is our, between soccer and softball, we've done about 11 seasons and this is our final one. Wow. Um, so it's a little sad. Uh, softball, baseball has always been something that's kind of tied my wife and I together. Hmm. Um, but so the work has suffered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we sterilize every single week. Didn't get any done last week. 
haven't done any yet. Wednesdays, tomorrow is the first day, first opportunity I'm going to have to do it this week. Hmm. Um, my wife took the day off from from work, and she <laughs> wants to go roller skating with my daughter, right? Yeah. So what? So you know, I could say, all right, I gotta, I gotta get the work done. I can't go. Yeah. Right. And, and I feel like you know a lot of. It, you know, a lot of farmers would do that. They, you know, I got to plow the field. You know, I got to get planting done. Right? I mean, it, I mean, different different types of farming have different, um, you know, different time frames of when things need to be done. But, mm-hmm. but with what we do, probably going to go roller skating, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and and I almost feel like, you know, is it going to help the business? No. Mm-hmm. Is it going to cause us to go bankrupt? No. Mm-hmm. Right? And so. I see a very clear, like, hmm. this is the right decision yeah. to make, right? And it, it seems simplistic, but it, it, and it'll probably have consequences down the line, mm-hmm. right? Where maybe because we didn't get something done, we don't have the mushroom for a customer or, or, or something like that, right? Probably have consequences. Um, but, you know, especially now, how many more opportunities am I gonna am I gonna have to do something like that? Right. So, let's go do it. Yeah. Right. Let's have fun. Let's spend some time together. Um, and it's kind of a string of those decisions, right? Twenty years of those decisions. Hmm. Um, and you know, could our could our business be twice as big if we made a string of the opposite decisions? Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Um, but like I said, you know, I don't regret those decisions. I don't regret making that. Yeah. And, and I don't think, you know, I might I might regret that decision three weeks down the road when the customer asks me for mushrooms and I don't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a chance that three weeks down the road, customers need to take a a week off and we have a ton of mushrooms and it doesn't affect anything. Right. Mm. And so, so even if I regret it for a couple days temporarily, you know, long-term it's the right decision. Right. When again, going back to when they're gone, when, you know, uh, am I going to, am I going to regret that two years down the road, three years down the road, five, 10, 20? No. Yeah. Right. No. Mm. And so it's just kind of a string of those daily decisions. You know, I didn't, when I'm tired in the evening and do I want to drive my daughter to gymnastics? No, but, (laughs) you know, but, but I did it for probably six, seven years and, Mm -hmm. and hung out there and, Mm -hmm. you know, watched her do gymnastics and videotaped or (laughs) I'd say videotape, but I guess, you know, record, (laughs) recorded her. Right. So she could see what she was doing. And, um, so yeah, I mean, you're definitely when you have kids, I mean, your priorities shift, Mm -hmm. right. Um, Mm. and it's, and, and it's different for somebody who has a small business, yeah. right? Because you are, or, or you know, it could be a big business, whatever, right. you know, any, any, your own business as opposed to working a nine to five. Yeah. Because you work a nine to five and, um, you know, you, you come home and, and, and you, 
don't always, you know, you can turn that off, right? Small business owners, you're just going all the time. You're thinking about your business all the time. Yeah. And, and so the only way to, the only way to spend time with family is to sacrifice mm-hmm. business, right? Sacrifice your work. And, um, that's what I've done, Yeah, you know, and I don't regret it. And I think that's the best advice I can give is, is don't be afraid to, obviously you got to pay the bills, right. And everybody's mm-hmm. in different situations. And, um, but you know, it's not like we're swimming in money, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're not, we're, I'm not making those decisions because I got, you know, <laughs> a full bank account and, and it doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making those decisions and, and the bank account's going to suffer and, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, it's a, the the decisions that I've made. Like we, I, I was, you know, basically took on a job for without boring with all the details that I've mentioned in other episodes. So you're welcome, listeners. Oh uh, yeah, um, I'm sure I've heard them. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, we were at I was at Limp. I made a decision to work for at Limp Lizard and run that location for the, you yeah. know the first two months, and that was a dumb decision, especially right when we had a newborn. Um, but. Then coming out, and then after like two months, just realizing that was just that was a stupid decision, and because um, I was seeing you know my wife like four hours a week that we yeah. were awake together. Yeah. So getting out of that, I was thinking to myself, this is you know eat local New York. Like there's something here I could try and go back at it and go full time with it, um, or I could just go get a job. And so yeah. it was really my wife's pushing that kind of led me to like not take the couple job offers that I got mm. and just try and do this because of that flexibility yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah but i will say it's uh, the tenacity that i have today versus a year ago for this Mm -hmm. for you know things that we're doing for you local is completely different now that we've got a kid you know now Mm -hmm. that it's like okay um not only are there more expenses but there's expenses that have to be met you know Mm -hmm. there are bills that have to you know things that have to be done Mm -hmm. um it's like a year and a half ago i may have I may have said, ah, I don't need to chase after that customer. I don't have to, I don't really have to go after that deal. It's not a big deal. It's a thousand bucks. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Today I'm like, we are getting that, deal. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so that's been, that's been a really interesting experience. This is our first son. So our first child. So it's, it's really weird uh, feeling. I've been mm-hmm. keeping a journal of things that I write to him that I plan on giving him, you know, one day when he's an adult of, you know, I started that back when we found out that she was pregnant, and, and I've been recording. I'll come in here sometimes and sit down with a beer and talk to, you know, for an hour. And I did, again, I don't plan on giving that to him until he's an adult. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but it is this really weird feeling that her and I have talked about of, like, right now we have this really intimate connection with him. Like, if he needs something, we pick him up and we hold him and, mm-hmm. you know... If he's crying, you know, we have to pick him up and soothe him at night or, you know, whatever the, you know, all these different things, you know, he can't take care of himself. So, you know, what closer connection do you have with another human being than taking care of them? Uh, but as he mm-hmm. gets older and he, but he, we, A, he won't need that level of care. Right. And B, he will never remember these moments. You know, he's five months old. He's never going to have a memory of... Yeah, right. You won't have physical memories, but I think, I think they have a some. They have I, if they I, don't have that sense. They remember that the, comfort, right? right? Yeah, and they remember that that feeling of being, um, I, I, you know, I'm no expert, right? right but right. I have a sense that they remember that 
feeling of being secure mm-hmm. and comforted and mm-hmm. loved, right? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I think there's probably consequences if they don't have that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you get yeah. serial killers. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 So it's 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 important. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely important. I was talking to you know Jamie a little bit about this, who was on just before this, mm-hmm. and um, uh, to completely shift gears. But you know, over the past couple of years, I've uh, not the past couple of years, over the past six seven months, I've really started to see. Um, how much the food scene in central New York has kind of lost its way. Like mm. prior to COVID, um, there was a lot more talk about the great chefs and what they mm. were and focused on what they were doing and excitement about what they were doing. And, and when a new restaurant opened up that was doing something wonderful, there is a talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. From exceptional restaurants like St. Urban or Eden um, or Diffy when they were opened, or Amano, and many others, but to also places like the Brinewell Eatery, who was doing garbage plates, but ordering from 15 different farms. Mm. Um, and since COVID, especially more recently, the conversation has shifted from, look at this exceptional food that this person is creating with local ingredients, to who has 50-cent wings. And yeah. Um, yeah. And that's been really the main focus. And I think part of that is, you know, kind of recession-based, not that we're officially in a recession, but, you know, things are obviously massively more expensive. Yeah, people are more focused on price now. Right. Yeah. So I think part of it's that, um, but I think part of it's just, you know, we've, you know, the culture, you know. Um, And so I'm really focused on trying to figure out how Eat Local New York plays a role in shifting that conversation Mm. back towards exceptional food and ingredients here in central New York. Um, I don't really know exactly how we're supposed to do that, although we've got a couple things that we're going to start doing. Um, like we're coming out with the like our best fa- like top 76 restaurants in central New York list, and mm-hmm. hopefully that does a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. And uh, have an idea for like a good food festival just featuring great food and from restaurants and chefs. But um, And I started talking to Mark about some stuff, but... Um, but it's just something that I've really been, you know, sad, saddened by over the past few months is realizing that we've kind of lost that focus. So, yeah, um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is just you know, because, well, a, it's been a couple of years since you've been on, and, and b, because you know of everything that you do. So, yeah, how much of your, I mean, obviously you're set up at the market, mm-hmm. you have the website where people can purchase, but you know, for consumer facing things. But how much of your work is done with like restaurants around the area? Um, we, about 30%, I would say, oh, okay. um, we have good half, half a dozen restaurants that we sell to. Um, it's for us, our, our focus has always been, you know, focused on getting mushrooms on people's plates, whether mm-hmm. that's through a restaurant or through a farmer's market or, um, and primarily fresh mushrooms. We do. Uh, uh, we have a line of dried mushrooms as well, which is available online. Um, we also partner with uh, vegetable farms, CSAs, right? Provide mushrooms to their shares. Hmm. Um, so we have, uh, but we really only have a couple restaurants in in Syracuse. We have a couple in Utica, okay. um, Hamilton, Casanova, Clinton kind of area. We have a couple in those areas as well. 
Um, and that suited us pretty well. Um, and, you know, kind of going back to, we could grow more mushrooms, mm-hmm. right? We're kind of at a level where we're happy with right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think we probably could take on a couple more restaurants. Um, we've had some people kind of canvassing Syracuse and, and I think they picked up one or two and they've been selling our, our stuff. Um, but I don't get the sense that I could just walk into any restaurant, knock on the door, and sell mushrooms. Hmm. And, and and I feel like that, it, it, you know, I think there's a lot of restaurants that would happy be happy to support a local mushroom farm. I, I feel like it comes down to price, right? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, we we our mushrooms are much more expensive than the buttons that you can get, right? And from any distributor, yeah. right? And so. Um, so there's always that fine line that we're walking, right? We're, we're uh, obviously at the market, we get a much higher price, right? Mm-hmm. We, when, we, when we sell them through a uh, CSA, we get somewhere in between, right? And yeah. so um, do I want to double the amount of restaurants that we do? Well, that's going to require double the equipment so we can so we can grow more, more efficiently, right? And so there's an investment in equipment, right? Yeah. And so, um, hmm. you know, we're, we're at a point where we're doing pretty well. Um, we've got a lot of flexibility, not, not, in, not when we're talking about flexibility within the family, but flexibility yeah. within the business, right? We can pivot to farmer's markets if there's another pandemic or, or pivot to online or, you know, something if there's another pandemic or um, we can, uh, you know, bounce between different, we've got our hands in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And so if one thing's not rolling, something else is rolling, right? Um, and so as our life changes, now we need to make a decision. What do we want to do? Mm-hmm. Um we kind of last year we had our our we had up to two employees at at one point last year and we don't have any now. Hmm. Um, and one of them, our longtime employee who really helped us start the farm, um, moved away. Uh, and then our payroll person decided they were done doing payroll, and hmm. we said, "All right, we're just going to take a break." And so we're working harder, making more money now. But hmm. you know that also plays into you know can you grow more mushrooms? Well. I, not on my own. Yeah. Probably at some point down the line, we'll end up with another employee. But, um, you know, our life's in a lot of transition right now. Mm. And so mm. we need to figure out what direction our business is going to go in. And yeah. um, it it could be growing more mushrooms, but it, it just seems like a rat race. Yeah. Right? You grow more mushrooms. You get <laughs> You get a lower price. That mean it means you need more equipment, right? You need to invest in more equipment, hmm. um, and mushroom equipment is expensive. You know, we could we could grow thousands of pounds a week. It probably would take us investing about a half a million dollars somewhere in that area, hmm. um, and then have you know ten to fifteen employees, hmm. right? And is that what, what we want the next twenty years of our life to be? Because you make that investment, you're probably committing, you know, that that amount of time, right? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't, uh, my guess is probably 
Probably not. I mean, we're always going to be selling fresh mushrooms to some degree, right? To yeah. restaurants. Uh, mm. Probably, you know, we love going to the market. Yeah. Right. Um, we love interacting with the people. I mean, I I enjoy selling mushrooms just as much as I enjoy growing them, which I, I don't think is common for most, hmm. uh, you know, historically common for farmers anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, there's a lots of other avenues we could take. Mm-hmm. You know, we could focus more on dried mushrooms. Right now you have a shelf-stable product and you're not, not so worried about shrinkage and spoilage and, and getting mushrooms out the door every week, right? And... Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of niches within the mushroom world. There's hmm. supplements, right? Yeah. There's a lot of good research out there on how good mushrooms are for you, whether they're building your immune system or oh, yeah. uh, reducing inflammation or, or promoting the growth of neurons or a lot, of, a lot of good research on the health benefits of mushrooms. And that's why you see a, a kind of an exploding mushroom supplement industry and coffee substitutes and... Uh, you know, so maybe that's a direction that we go, right? I mean, you, there's, we've been selling grow your own kits lately too. Mm. So bring a block home, put it on your, on your, uh, counter and grow mushrooms Mm. yourself, right? Um, we have a, uh, a bag that or a variety, it's called garden giant or King Strafaria. And Mm. so you take this block of mycelium grown on sawdust, you mm. plant it in your garden, mm. just like you would a rose bush or whatever, right? Mm. Water it, and then it the mycelium runs, and as your your garden grows, it could be a perennial garden, vegetable garden, doesn't matter. But as the garden grows and provides shade, and then now the mushrooms start popping up underneath, mm. That's cool. and so you can pick them and you can eat them, and huh. um, so just another grow your own option. Um, but you know, you also see a lot of uh, hmm. New York State is going down the psychedelic road, right? Yeah. It's not going to be long until they <laughs> approve something, probably for therapeutic use, right? And I don't know. I mean, we're going to need a supply, right? Yeah. So maybe that's a road <laughs> we go down. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different hmm. options and niches and and. Um, you know, there's people foraging wild mushrooms. There's, uh, you, you dive in a little deeper and you get into like mycofiltration and, and, uh, mycelium breaking down nerve gas and, and, and petroleum products and companies making packing material out of mycelium. Right. Hmm. And, and so now you, you, you're doing something similar to what we're doing, but you're putting your mycelium in a mold and then you pull it out and now it's perfect mm. shape for packaging something mm. and it's degradable, right? Yeah. And, and so there's so many different avenues to go down, um, but we're good at selling fresh mushrooms and mm. I, I'm not quite sure what direction we're going to go in, but... yeah. Hey, let's yeah. pause for one second. I gotta run to the restroom. Yeah, sure. No Between problem. the coffee and the water and the beer. Yeah, I hear you. No problem. Yeah, really feel like Joe Rogan now. Oh uh, yeah. After the middle of a podcast to go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> well, you get to a certain stage and and you're like, <laughs> I'm the man. I just gotta go. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. Everybody's waiting for me, so I'm going. Right. <laughs> I'll go when I want. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the psychedelic, it's something that I would, so the past, I'd say, uh, prior to our son, son's arrival, so for like the last year and a half, I was really interested in, in taking, you know, psychedelic mushrooms. We actually had mm-hmm. a podcast scheduled I was going to do with um, uh, Rich and Chris and Tim, mm-hmm. and the plan was we were all going to come in here and take mushrooms at the beginning of it and then record a <laughs> podcast. And uh, somebody who I won't mention forgot uh, or didn't forget, but couldn't get the mushrooms. So okay, That's, we up that was my question: <laughs> yeah. Where did you get them, or how did you get them? Yeah, yeah. Um, a friend of mine actually from that episode uh, that was that never aired. She wound up giving who you know takes them all the time. She went up getting me some and, and gave mm-hmm. me, and I still have them at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I wanted to take them to because I felt like it would. Uh, like it would bring me to a space where to unlock some form of like creativity, like yeah. in, in regarding to the business that I just it, couldn't tap into myself. Yeah. And yeah. the more and more people that I kind of talked to and told that story to, they were like, Oh yeah, we take mushrooms all the time. And I was like, you do it. Cause mm-hmm. you're not somebody <laughs> I really want to emulate my life after. Fair so yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. I'm not going to have the experience I hope for. Well, I think, I think it's, yeah. I mean, they, I've never done it. Yeah. Right, but they say it can kind of reset your brain or, or yeah. whatever, and you know, and it, it there's definitely a, you know, you want to have somebody with you who has done it, yeah, right, and can, can kind of guide you through it. You don't want four guys in a room who've never done it before <laughs> and just take a handful of mushrooms. I mean, I mean that could work out <laughs> yeah, great, work but out. it could be, you could yeah. be, you know, crying in a corner for three hours <laughs> and just have a horrible experience, yeah. right? And so, so there's always that risk of a bad experience. And I think, um, you know, the more like somebody who has, who has done it before and, and, and that's why, you know they're not just going to legalize right right it's going to be well you can you can use them through a practitioner right somebody mm-hmm. who can kind of guide you through it somebody who maybe they're a psychiatrist right maybe some somebody who's got some experience and can kind of identify all right this might be good for you or this might not be good for you mm-hmm. um because i think there's yeah there always is that risk i think for most people you probably do come out of it uh, you know, with a different perception, right? Oh, yeah. You, you know, a different outlook on life. and um, But there is that risk that for some people, you know, <laughs> might not might not work out too well, right? Yeah. And so um, you yeah. want to mitigate that as much as possible by having yeah. this person alongside you who can kind of guide you through it. Yeah, I've got a friend who, you know, for years, um, uh, not he's not... not not necessarily an outgoing person, but he also didn't shy away from like getting together with friends or a group, but he would always, he would say like, you would never know it from looking at me, but inside I'm like screaming, like, you know, I hated, absolutely hated being around other people. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he heard of a treatment and he, I forget who the person was or organization or group or whatever it was, but it was essentially you like, you know, not overdose, but essentially overdose on mushrooms, like take way too more than you should. Yeah. And yeah. there's a term for that. I, I should know it, but yeah. Yeah. Like a, 
Uh, yeah, a, hu- a huge dose. Yeah. Jeez, I should know that. Macro anyway. dose, I don't yeah. know. But, uh, yeah. uh, but and then uh, part of the rest, the other part of the experience is you are listening with like noise canceling headphones, or, like classical mm. music, and you know you're in a mm. pitch black room. But you have a person that's like guiding you through your trip, and it's supposed to help you sort of expose, um, you know, whatever it is that you're kind of like dealing with, uh, hopefully, and then be able to, you know, get help to like go through that. And so, yeah, uh, get it, you know, yeah. get past it. And so, and for him. It it worked, you know. He mm-hmm. went from this person that like absolutely was terrified to hang out with people and be around people he didn't know, to now seeking out those mm-hmm. like opportunities and and hearing listening to his experience of his trip was it this sounds crazy, but you know I grew up in like a really, um, I grew up in a form of Christianity it was like very like spiritual based and mm-hmm. you know like open to you know different like you know dream interpretation all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Um, and there's a experience that I have in, 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 at church and Christianity that was like life changing for me. That sounds identical to his trip mm. on mushrooms. Yeah, really. I mean, he's talking Maybe. to me about this stuff. I was like, yeah. I've done that through prayer before. Talking to tongues <laughs> yeah, and right. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, uh, it was also like a pivotal moment in my life. And, and so, mm-hmm. uh, that, I thought that was kind of interesting, that connection, but, um, yeah, yeah. there is, uh, there is definitely some overlap there. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, Yeah. I mean, as a Bible-believing Christian, I don't really necessarily, I don't believe that this to be true, but a lot of people think that, you know, um, uh, Moses, you know, with his experience with the burning bush yeah. was, you know, having just consumed magic mushrooms, mm. not yeah. intentionally maybe, but, you right, know. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so much of, like, biblical kind of lore, if you will, was based off of people at the time that were, you know, consuming those mushrooms. There's even... Yeah, I think there's some... I think there is some evidence, right, that yeah. uh, that people can point to that that it was, you know, somehow involved in, in ceremonies and traditions and such. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not too versed in that, but yeah. I've heard that, yeah. All right. Even I think, like, the of the days of, like, the Salem witch trial, that mm. a lot yeah. of those people that, you know, had the, you know, whether it was, like, a physical manifestation or mental manifestation that caused people to believe that they were witches and, you know, burn them, uh, you know, kill them was based off of a fungus that it was growing on bread or something like that at the Mm. time that they were eating. And it was causing like some weird things. So Mm. it's really interesting how much of a role mushrooms have had throughout human history and, and so much of our, like, you know, even the stories of our traditions. Yeah. 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 They are, it's, I mean, you can go real deep into this, but they are. I mean, just their their genetics are closer to humans than they are plants. Really? Yep. That's wild. They, you know, they they take in oxygen like we do and give off CO. I mean, they're totally huh. different. They get grouped in with plants, but significantly different. Hmm. Um, a lot of lot of connections. A lot of you know, there's there's research that shows that. There's webs underneath forests, right? Mm-hmm. That you know the mushrooms are interacting with the trees, mm-hmm. giving the trees usually uh, minerals, and then maybe the trees give the mushrooms sugars. Mm-hmm. But there's also evidence that shows that that the trees can kind of communicate mm-hmm. through the like if one tree is struggling, right? Then more. Mm. nutrients might head towards that tree or mm. um yeah yeah the largest mm. organism in the world i believe is a honey mushroom 
It's hmm. a huge, huge, big mat of of honey mushrooms out west somewhere. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Yeah. What's uh, yeah. what kind of like excites anyway. you about that? About the end? About you know working in, with mushrooms? Is it that? Is that, that well, concept? yeah. So I've given this a lot. What, you know, what I think is special about working with mushrooms is is, is yeah. I think it's unique. I think it's a it's a god of I think it's a growing industry, right? I mean, there's – think of how many farmers there are in central New York growing vegetables, right? And yeah. and so there's two that I know of that are growing mushrooms, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I think there's a lot of space for for that industry to kind of – put its foot in and and get more people growing mushrooms. I, I think I think even now I think Syracuse could handle a few more mushroom farms, small mm. mushroom farms. Um, but you know, besides the fact that I think it's a good business, I think the fact that we can um, you know, I've got one guy who grow who buys four pounds from me every week. Uh, down in Hamilton, hmm. right, and and we have this small CSA in the Hamilton, so I just deliver to people's doors in Hamilton once a week because I'm down there every day anyway. Um, but he attributes them to you know changing in his lifestyle, getting health, being healthier, hmm. right? And so, it, not only can we make money, but we're also hmm. helping people be healthier. Right. We have people who come to our farmer's market stands or buy stuff from us online who they have cancer. Hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's a preventative thing. Sometimes it's a there's not much left to do. Right. Hmm. This is the only hope I have. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a there's there's really good research that shows that this can help. And, and, and I've, it really depends on the doctor. I've had, you know, um, customers whose doctors will prescribe mushroom supplements to them. I've had some that we had a really good customer in Syracuse who, um, passed away last year and his doctor was like, don't touch it. Hmm. And you know, that's fine. I mean, that, that's a decision everybody's got to make. Um, but, it's it's not being able to you know run a business that is giving people who don't have any hope hope mm-hmm. um hmm. and at the same time be able to make a living it, it, you know i feel like how lucky am i yeah that's why that, that that's my favorite part of it so it yeah. sounds like you kind of don't like to me. I, I look at your, I look at like you know your business and really you know like you know being a mushroom farmer is like one source of selling to a restaurant to sell to make food with. But you mm-hmm. kinda, it sounds like you kind of look at it from a very different perspective. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I I think that's the the side of it that is. Again, you know, provides that you know. I love, I love, you know, making money, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love, right, yeah. I love all the business that we can get at restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, I love all the business that we can get at the farmers market. Um, but again, you know, at the at, 
20 years from now, am I going to look back and say, well, I'm glad I was able to pay that electric bill in 19, you know, or 2005 or whatever. Yeah. Um, or am I going to remember, hmm. you know, the people who, who came to us because we were, you know, essentially a source of hope and an alternative for them when they didn't really have much. Yeah. Right. And hmm. so um, I think that's what I'm going to remember. Yeah. And I kind of think that's, I think that's one of the reasons that we're kind of leaning towards, you know, doing more of um, the process, like the dried mm. mushrooms or like the teas, which are essentially a hot water extract, right? And, yeah. and your, your, um, or, or supplements or, you know, again, like a, imagine a, a business where your business is essentially helping people who have been through, you know, any kind of traumatic experience, right? You name it. Yeah. Any kind of post-traumatic syndrome, right? And your business is trying to get them over it, right? Yeah. That That's what you're doing. And mm. um, just seems like we could use our skills in growing mushrooms that we've developed over the years, you know, selling at all these different places to really, yeah. you know, hmm. make it take a step up. Like, like we're not just, we're not just selling mushrooms, right? We're not just making money. You're actually hmm. making a difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's wild. <laughs> and so I don't know how, I feel like I feel like in twenty years, if I were to ignore that, I feel like I probably would regret that. Yeah, hmm. that opportunity. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, well, this is not the conversation I thought we were going to have, but I have to say, yeah, it's probably a lot different than our last one. That's <laughs> for sure. But I'm thrilled with it. That was this was phenomenal. This is like the yeah. day of like, uh, um, uh, illuminating. That's not the right word, but conversations. You know. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, man, so much for coming up all the way and talking. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we're, um, you know, every Tuesday we're in here yeah. delivering to Syracuse. So okay. if you're a cool. restaurant and you're listening, just yeah, for sure. send, me a, send me a text or an email or something. Yeah. yeah we'll we'll have, figure it out. We'll have website and all that kind of stuff in the show okay, notes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. there it is everybody thank you so much for listening to this week's conversation the podcast with casey from uh, fruit of the fungi and the new york mushroom company again i mean listen i'm gonna keep talking about it support local and if you want to support local then uh head down to the regional market and support casey and christy and their business you know so find them online if you're a restaurant looking for awesome fresh mushrooms reach out to them for that if you're just wanting to make some delicious food at home, reach out to them and get some mushrooms for that. Uh, anyways, special thanks to them for coming on the podcast. And that's pretty much it. Follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. <clears throat> and you can find us online on our website at eatlocalnewyork.com where we post all of our podcasts, the audio and video and all of our updates and you can get Eat Local New York card and all that fun stuff. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We're going to catch you back here next week for a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. Mm-hmm.